Thank you. Wasn't expecting quite that introduction there. <laughs> it's funny with being grown, growing up in the church, and we used to go home. My brother and I would play church, and I had the dolls lined up, and then I did Sunday school, and had everything, and then little Reagan, same thing. She she does leads worship. Then she takes the kids to Sunday school, and she lines them up and gives them a snack, and she makes sure Judah does what he's supposed to do, or he gets kicked out of Sunday school. So it's just funny when you grow up in the church and that's your, your life. It's, it's, it's great. I'd rather them be playing church and some of the other things they could be playing. So um, I'm going to uh, go ahead and pray for uh, this morning. Thank you, God, Lord. Thank you for this awesome, awesome day. It's your amazing God. Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me, Lord, that we would have ears to hear. Thank you for the words that you've brought, that you speak to all of your people, God. Thank you, Lord, that that we can hear you and we can act on it, Lord. I just thank you, God. Okay, well, um, when I was uh, asked to speak and I was thinking, okay, you know, what am I going to talk on? And, you know, I, I, really wanna, I, want, I really want something good. God, give me something good. I don't want this mediocre stuff. Because <laughs> I feel like whenever, whenever David talks and, like, he'll have something really deep and you're just like, wow, where'd you get that, you know? How, you know, that doesn't just happen for everybody, you know? And I, I, I had some stuff I was coming up with and building on, and then I was like, you know what? God was like, you know, I think I have a simpler word for you, and that's okay, because it's really a simple gospel, and we really complicate things a lot, and those deep things are good, but those simple things are good, too, that we need to be reminded of to go back to. As we're going deeper, we can't forget those simpler things. Um, I have a little story here that I wanted to start out with. Okay, so a large dog walks into a butcher shop carrying a purse in its mouth. He puts the purse down and sits in front of the meat case. What is it, boy? The butcher jokingly asks. Want to buy some meat? Woof! Barks the dog. Hmm, says the butcher. Well, what kind? Liver, bacon, steak? Woof! Interrupts the dog. How much steak? Half pound? One pound. Woof. The amazed butcher wraps up the meat, finds the money in the dog's purse. As the dog leaves, he decides to follow. The dog enters an apartment house, climbs to the third floor, begins scratching at the door. With that, the door swings open and an angry man starts shouting at the dog. Stop, yells the butcher. He's the most intelligent animal I've ever seen. Intelligent, says the man. This is the third time this week he's forgotten his key. So today I'm talking about our, our perspective and how important it is to have that grateful, thankful perspective on life and how that really can shape every aspect of how we live and the quality of our life. Um, so often we're like this man where we, we look at all the things. We, this dog can buy meat for him. And the thing that he complains about is that he forgot his key. You know, obviously this is a silly story, but how applicable is that to our life? This is something that God's really been working with me on because I'm not naturally a thankful person. I naturally would say he forgot his key because I'm all about order and things going the right way. And if things aren't the way they're supposed to be, I'm going to pick out that thing that isn't right. And that's something that robs us 
from the joy of life and what we were meant to experience here. Um, you can find what you're looking for. If you're looking for the negative, you will find plenty of it. But if you're looking for that positive, it's there too. Um, I mowed the lawn this week for the first time. I, li- I'm our lawn. I like mowing our lawn in particular about it, obviously. <laughs> um, and so I mowed the lawn. Two days later, I pull in and I look at the grass and there's those, dan- those weeds that you blow this tall. Two days later, they're this tall. And there's those yellow ones all over the grass. I just mowed. So my thought is, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I just mowed this grass. Reagan's in the back seat, and she looks out her window. Flowers! Mom, we've got flowers all over our yard. It's like, yes, those are awesome flowers. You know, to have that perspective, and she goes out and she picks me flowers, and I get a handful of weed flowers, and it's so nice. And then yesterday, Judah was out there, and he just picks those little ones that you blow and I was like, you know what? We're just going to enjoy the flowers. And we went out and we blew the dandelions. And I'm still going to put the weed and feed on there and get rid of those guys. But it's that, that moment of, I, I could you know, have missed that moment with my kids if I had just been looking at those weeds and for not looked at it with this perspective that my children have. Of, look what that, that good stuff you can find in those weeds. It really is the key to a full life. And since I'm, I'm naturally not a thankful person, this is something that God's really been working with me on. A lot, of, Some people are naturally thankful, and it just really does just come out of them. And that's awesome. That's where I want to be. I want that to continue to flow out of me. Um, but this is probably for the last couple years. I will say before that, I really wasn't very... I mean, yes, you know, I can say, say thank you and be nice and stuff, but it wasn't flowing out of me in every situation. And um, um, I, I really think that it, it is important for every part of life that that thinking can change the quality of your life and um, it can change the way that you view things like your marriage and the issues in your marriage. When you look at it through a thankful perspective, those problems don't seem so big and sometimes they just melt away when you're looking at it that way. Problems with your kids your job, all those areas where those problems show up, when you look at it through those thankful eyes, it, they just become smaller, and it's not that big deal, and you're not dwelling on that negative stuff. Because what you dwell on is what come, is in your heart and what flows out of you. Um, it, thankfulness really cultivates love, peace, um, and that overall positive attitude. Uh, It removes fear, blame, and stress, and all of those negative things that just escalate and become one thing after another. Um, It also is linked to better overall health and a better immune system. It's physically, we are physically made to be thankful. It is good for you to be thankful. It is good for you to be positive. When you are negative, those feelings grow and you become, your body reacts when you have the stress and the negative negativity um, and it's, it's not good for you. Um, 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's his will for us to be thankful. I really think that he, he kind of expects it, that this is, this is how he created us to be, how, how he created our, our lives to be full. Um, there's tons of verses in the Bible um, if you want to read them all, that would take a, a very long time. So I, I didn't do the, the search on all the verses on thankfulness because there's tons of them. They're throughout the Bible. It's a reoccurring theme, so it's obviously very important. Um, another thing about thankfulness, I really believe um, a grateful perspective is a, a really core part when it comes to inner healing. Um, Ray mentioned a couple weeks ago about uh, Joyce Meyer and her past and how she had been abused and had a, a prior um, marriage that uh, wasn't good and, and all these issues that she had had and that he said that she was thankful for that, that that was what God used to help her to touch so many people. And she became thankful for all of her hurt and pain in her past and I really believe that that is a really big part of how we heal when we become thankful. Um, I want to read um, Luke seventeen eleven, the story of the ten lepers. I'm going to go ahead and read that, and then we'll go over it. Um, Luke seventeen eleven. Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, there, as he entered a certain village, there he met ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. They lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, where, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. In this, just to refresh what you may know about leprosy in that day, um, they had to go away from, what if you had leprosy and you were declared a leper, you had to go to a, a different place. You couldn't be with your family. You couldn't be with your friends. Basically, you just had to go away to live out the rest of your painful life. And um, I was reading how leprosy basically just, and how it attacks the body, the skin, the muscle, and sometimes like a hand would just fall off. Like you're basically, you're just dying. Your body is slowly dying. And so these people, they have you know, nothing to live for. I mean, I I, if they were thankful, that's, that's amazing. If they were already, you know, thankful lepers, then but I, I, it doesn't say anything about that, what their, what their state was, aside from they had leprosy. It doesn't give us very much information. But they were, you know, most likely away from their family, um, an outcast in society. And I think about that, and I think about all the, the hurt and the pain, not just the physical aspects, but how that must have impacted them as human beings to be cast out and treated like animals, um, and so when it says that Jesus came and they lifted their voice to them, they had to yell, they couldn't, you know, they had to 
they couldn't come close, and so he lifted their voice, and, and, um, and Jesus said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. Well, the priest was like the medical official also, so he could declare you whether you were clean or unclean, and you know, whether you were whole. Um, so that was the, the practice is if you, and I had also read that, you know, some people, if they had like a skin rash and they might have leprosy, you know, it was up to the priest to determine if they had been healed, if the rash had gone away or that type of thing. So that was the priest, priest duty. So that's why you would go to the priest, um, to get that clean bill of health. Well, um, so it says, go show yourselves to the priest. Well, that, that took faith. I, I, I mean, if they all 10, decided, well, I guess what do we have to lose? You know, it doesn't say what their conversation was, but they decided to, to go head to the priest. And, um, you know, they, if they weren't healed, they were going to look like fools. But they all got up to go. And, um, and then it says here, um, so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Um, so it doesn't say yet that they reached the priest. It just says as they went. So I don't know, maybe halfway there. It doesn't, doesn't tell us. But as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned. So it doesn't even say that he made it to the priest. It says that when he saw that he was healed, then he went to Jesus. And I thought that was really interesting Um, because then when Jesus is like, well, where are the others? You know, were they not all cleansed? And it was just the one and that one. Now they all received physical healing, but the one received so much more when it says, um, your faith has made you well. Um, that word, well, I learned this in our, our sozo classes. That's where the word sozo comes from this this type of usage of the word well, which means saved, healed, delivered, um, it is a, it's salvation. It's inner healing. It's the whole package. It's not just a physical well. It's the whole thing. And so the way that this word well, when you look up the, the way it's used in the, the Greek and so forth, um, he didn't just get that physical healing he got something so much more valuable than a physical healing. And that really, um, that stemmed from his thankfulness, that he was grateful. And when you're grateful, it cultivates that, um, it opens up the doors for the deeper things to be, to be healed and to, to live out. Um, Living a, a truly thankful life allows us to be saved, healed, and delivered from our hurt and pain. The nine seemed to be concerned with their place in society, while the one was concerned with his place in Christ. That, and when I thought about that, I was like, you know what, those nine, I think they continued on to the priest. Because they wanted to get back to their family they wanted to get back to their job, and they wanted to be like, I'm, I'm me again, yay. And were concerned about what others thought of them and how that affected them with their place in society. Whereas this one, it doesn't seem like he cares about his place in society. It doesn't even say that he made it to the priest. He went right back to Jesus because he was concerned with his place in Christ. And when we have that thankful perspective we are thinking about our place in Christ, not our place with how we measure up to our friends and how we measure up 
to the things that we see and how we think we should be, but how Christ sees us is what we value. Um, when your perspective changes, it really changes everything. Your circumstances can be the same, but that, that perspective on how you view them can make it so different. Um, when Reagan was born, um, you know, my first child wasn't quite sure what to expect with the new baby. You get that new baby home, you know, they tell you that baby's going to cry and wake up in the middle of the night. And um, they do. <laughs> They cry a lot, and they wake up every couple hours. And it was very difficult for me to get used to that constant waking up in the night because I really like my sleep, and I'm really bothered if I get woken up in the middle of the night. And every time she would cry, it was like, oh, this baby won't go back to sleep. This baby's hungry again. I, I I feel like I just fed this baby. I just took care of this baby. And it was really a, um, a stressful time. Um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't horrible or anything, but it was just, oh, you know, some nights I remember telling David, I don't even want to go to bed because this night is just never going to end. I don't even want the night to start because it's not going to end. And it was just really difficult. And, and she was a good baby, but she, you know, she was a, a newborn, you know, and even as she, she got a little older and I went back to work and, you know, she still would get up in the middle of the night at least once um, to eat. And, and it was just, it was, it was difficult. Um, but that was partly my perspective of it because I was thinking about me and my sleep and my needs. Well, when I was pregnant with Judah, um, Rebecca's family suffered a horrible, horrible loss with her little nephew. He was about three months old. And he passed away of SIDS. And I was pregnant with Judah at the time. And, of course, that was really hard for our church to have that happen. And, um, and, and being pregnant, um, and SIDS is more likely to affect um, Caucasian males. And, of course, I'm pregnant with a Caucasian male. And, you know, and fear starts to get you. And I was like, no, I'm not going to let fear get me. This isn't, this isn't it's not going to happen. Um, but after I had Judah... Um, my perspective changed about that baby because when he cried in the middle of the night, you know what happened? I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that my baby is crying. What a difference that made in my time with him. I look back when he was a newborn, and it was really a good time. And, you know, Dave was like, wow, you know, this seems like this baby's easier. And he was a little easier baby, and it's easier with your second Every time that baby cried, I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that that baby's crying. What a blessing. I took it as a blessing. Same situation. Baby crying in the middle of the night. Same situation. Completely different perspective. And I really believe that was really the start of where God started working on that with me. Like that, that is something that you need to work on. That's going to change your quality of life. It's going to change your life for your family. And it's going to change those around you when you think of things in a different way and not the selfish way that we normally think of things and, and the way I'm always trying to get things done have things in order and have things go my way and one thing goes out and, you know, the whole thing is gone. And that perspective is so important. Um, there's, look at that blessing. What a blessing, a crying baby. 
crying baby in church. We love a crying baby in church. <laughs> we love babies. Um, thankfulness is not complacency. It does not mean that we just hold on, hang tight, and wait, and just be thankful for what we have. Thankfulness doesn't hold us back. It allows room for faith to move forward, to grow, and to bear fruit. When we're thankful for what God has already done, it builds our faith for what he's going to do. Even though we don't see it, we're so thankful for all those things that we're recalling that God has done, and we know the possibilities, and we can see what he's going to do, and we start to envision it because we're so thankful that we know that he's going to take care of it. Um, Being thankful allows us to see the possibilities instead of the obstacles, and that creates an environment for our faith to grow. And being thankful for the provision even before you see it. Trust in God even when things don't turn out the way you want. Still being thankful on those times. Um, the seeds that we water will grow, the positive or the negative. Um, those are thrown at us every day. And it's what are we going to do with those, those seeds? Are we going to dismiss them? Are we going to dismiss those negative thoughts? Or do we let it grow and become a part of us? Um, Those seeds, they can become thoughts. Those thoughts become ideas. And those ideas become actions. It's really up to us to control our thoughts. Um, When you're... When things are thrown at you and you have that negative thought, and if you don't dismiss it right away, and you're like, oh, that, that's something that, that didn't go right or that bothers you, that you're not thankful for, and then, then you start thinking about it. And then when you start thinking about something, that gives room for a little root to grow. And then once a little root grows, it starts to become a part of you. It starts to take over what's in your heart, and it starts to come out and become part of your actions, bears fruit, and starts to become who you are. And, of course, the opposite, when you have those positive things that you're thankful for and you're thinking about and you're having that positive perspective, that's what takes root. It's really what you're thinking about. What is um, what, the, what thoughts fill your day? What are you allowing to fill your day? Now, we all have to have those thoughts of what we have to get done and how to to manage our day, manage our time, and, and we have responsibilities. But allowing those, those times to really ponder on what we have to be grateful for. And um, I am, uh, it's always been hard for me to keep up with, you know, having a devotional time and stuff like that. I'm not a reader. I wish I was. I'm just not. It's hard for me to read the Bible because I'm just not into reading. Um, but this last, um, especially with, and, you know, with working, it's so hard to make extra time. Or when with the kids, they seem like they would crawl on me all the time. If I tried to have any quiet time to myself, the kids are there and making noise and stuff. Well, I got a gym membership last year, and they have uh, daycare in the gym. So I, I go there every day, and I don't miss because I have daycare, and it's wonderful. And people are like, wow, don't you get enough work at home with the kids? I'm like, this is my break. Yes, I'm working out, but this is, this is my break. So... 
After I do my workout, I, I love to stretch. Stretching is like my favorite thing. And so I started incorporating my quiet time in my stretching time. And so I go over to the mats, and it's a real quiet area, and you know, there's no kids, and there's not many people there usually. And that's when I read my Bible on my phone. And, and then I, I stretch, and I, I meditate on what I've read. And I, I don't know, something about an open posture, I, I, I think some of you might agree, you know, when you have that open posture, it feels like you just, you just soak up more or something. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But that's what I do on the mats. And so I'm able to have that time set aside, and it's really made a difference having that time to ponder and to, to meditate on what God's speaking to me and where my thoughts are going and, um, you know, controlling my thoughts and, and, and just keeping my thoughts where he wants them. Um, so, and it's not to put guilt on you because I spent a lot of t- years, you know, gosh, I haven't had that steady time that I've made and, you know, and it's, it's, it's okay because you can still have that time with God during the day and whatever works for you. This is just something that's worked for me in the last year that has really allowed me the time to, to have my thoughts on him for that time. Um, And those thoughts can escalate to behaviors, and those behaviors become part of what makes you who you are. Um, And that perspective can really stimulate and shape your behavior. And that's really important. Where where is that behavior coming from? What are you doing to to shape your behavior? Um, When you're truly thankful for your spouse, your kids, your job, finances, and problems that arise that you would normally dwell on, let take root and grow, thankfulness really squashes those problems. It it really just kind of takes it right there. If you allow that moment to say, okay, but what do I have to be thankful for? Things could be pretty bad. And there's always that something that you can be thankful for. And that thankfulness can lead to that inner healing and can just change your quality of life. Because if you don't start with that thankfulness, you're going to end up staying in that place. And that's not a place where God wants us to be. He wants us in a place where we can grow and where we can bless others. And being thankful for every season in your life, um, really living in the present. And that's, it's hard to do um, with, when I go shopping with uh, Reagan and she sees every time, as soon as one holiday is over, what do they do? Next holiday! You know, Target, Reg- or, uh, Althea knows she works at Target because as soon as Christmas is over, they tear out the Christmas section and they put up, you know, Valentine's. And as soon as Valentine's is over, they tear that out and they put up the next holiday. And we're always thinking, what's, ahead? what's next? What's ahead? What's next? And we forget, especially, you know, I'm a planner and I'm always thinking about what's ahead. And sometimes I'm, I'm so focused on the future and what we have coming that I forget about this moment in time. What is going on right now that I need to focus on that needs my attention, that needs my thoughts? Um, that's when you, when you focus on the present, you can focus on what you have to be thankful for right now and not just what is coming up. And the next thing is Reagan's like, when can we swim? She's been asking to swim for the longest time, ever since uh, probably Christmas time. Because before Christmas, she kept asking for Christmas. 
And so <laughs> I'm trying to teach her, you know, there's something about every season of your life, something about being a child when you're a child, because she says that she wants to be a teenager. I say, Reagan, let's enjoy being a child because once this is gone, it's never going to come back. You'll never be a child again. And then when you're a teenager, you enjoy being a teenager because you're never going to be a teenager again because then there's going to be other things. There's, every, there's something about every phase of your life. When my kids are little, and I know they're not going to be little for long, and so I've got to enjoy every moment. Yes, I still have to do their laundry. I still have to get groceries, and I still have to do that stuff. But I try to enjoy every moment because once it's gone, it's gone. And if sometimes you, you could spend your whole life saying, gosh, that went by and that went by, and I kept thinking, I can't wait for the kids to get out of the house. I can't wait to finish paying for college. I can't wait to retire so I can finally enjoy life. Well, your life is mostly gone by the time you retire. You might as well enjoy it before you retire. And just because you're, you're working doesn't mean that you can't be enjoying life. You don't have to be retired and on vacation all the time to enjoy life. There's something in every part of your day that you can enjoy. Um, in closing, I have a, a blog. It's not an article. David tells me articles are not blogs, or blogs are not articles. He's, um, I'll say, I, I, I did some research, and so you read blogs. <laughs> <laughs> blogs are a big part of things, okay? But anyway, this one um, was a real, it really got me. Um, you may have heard it and circulating. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read the the second half here. Um, this wife is writing this blog entry, and um, she um, first starts. She talks about how she was a, a nagging wife and complaining about the laundry and all the the things that her husband wasn't doing right. Until until her husband died. Days after his funeral. I stared at our dirty clothes basket that sat. I, I practiced this like 10 times <laughs> so I wouldn't cry. <laughs> so y'all have to bear with me because I didn't practice it enough. Okay. The day my husband left earth for heaven, all my marriage problems vanished. There was no one to fuss at, no more problems. Days after his funeral, I stared at our dirty clothes basket at sat atop the dryer, knowing his clothes were inside. I sighed so deeply. Before me was the last load of laundry I would ever wash for that sweet man. There would be no more dirty socks to pick up around the house, ever. A week before, I would have rolled my eyes at that basket, but now it held priceless treasures. I waited weeks to wash those clothes. My heart ached for dirty socks to once more be part of my days. Those messes dotted around the house are reminders of God's gift to us. Like Jesus, we have the opportunity to demonstrate love by serving those that we live with. And the last time I checked, not a single person is perfect. How many times my husband kept quiet, listened, and endured. He shared no list of ways that I needed refinement. He simply loved me. Those clothes were painfully cleaned and boxed away or donated, the tears countless. And God, the lover of my soul and his infinite mercy, later gave me a special gift. He allowed me to love again 
to wear a second wedding dress and to be a better wife. I married a wonderful man. I'm working on edifying the man who provides for my sons and me. Um, I now strive to hug more and nag less. My goal is to make him feel respected, important, valued. I want to live love. Recently, I walked in the master bedroom, stopped, nearly bursting into tears. I saw a pile of dirty clothes that my new husband had abandoned on the floor. As I stared at that pile, I smiled. I knew he had hurried to change out of his work clothes into comfy clothes so he could spend time with his new family. And he had chosen what was more important. (laughs) I happily scooped the treasures into my arms and carried them to the washing machine. I get to do this. I get to serve. I get to live with a wonderful man who ditches laundry for people. First time I read that, I was in the kitchen. I put the kids to bed, and, and um, David wasn't home yet. And I just sat there and cried and thought, how much we're missing out on. She'll never get that husband back, but she has a second chance. And I sent, I sent it to Maria right away. I was like, this is, you got to read this, you know. And I looked at this pile of boys in my living room that the kids had left. I was like, you know. You know, far too often we let those things steal our joy and, and steal our, our time with people and what's important. And, you know, we often just talk about being thankful in November, and that's the month that everybody posts it on Facebook, and everybody gets excited about being thankful. And that's great, um, but I really felt like, you know, we need to, to talk about it more, and we, talk, we do. But, it, you know, making it a part of your everyday life is is sometimes a challenge, but changing that perspective and keeping what's important in the forefront of your mind and your thoughts and just continue to thank God and how he has blessed your life and is going to continue to bless your life. That's all I have today. Thank you, guys. Let's just stand to our feet this morning. Thank you. Thank you, honey. It's good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's just say thank you to the Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, just we let us cultivate thankfulness. Let us be the the praises. Let us declare, Lord, what what is what you lord you you rejoice over us lord let us be people who rejoice and celebrate the things that you have given us lord it's a gift lord thankfulness is a gift father we just ask that you would seal this awesome word in our heart let it become a part of our become a part of our our life let us live love lord let us live life to the fullest Thank you, Jesus. Can you guys say amen to that? Amen. amen. You guys, uh, thank you guys for being with us this morning. It's going to be a good day. How many of you guys believe that? Amen. amen. Awesome. Well, we want to invite you if anyone needs prayer.
for anything. We're going to be down here hanging out. And other than that, we want you guys to have a great day. We are going to have life groups tonight, as Megan said. So God bless you, and we'll catch you guys in a little bit, okay? Have a good day.